Hello. I am back. Hello, everyone. My name is Dean Laxer, in case you don't know, and you've, you've tuned in for the first time. I have been ranting about life and death and music and art and anything in between, sometimes movies. And today we are going to continue our long talk, maybe uh, the most personal podcast for me personally. <laughs> okay, that sentence made no sense. The most private and personal review of Peter Gabriel's album, Us, because it means a great deal to me. It is and has become a landmark of an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, basically, because during the 90s, when I heard that album the first time, I felt like I was looking into a mirror. And that was initially what actually uh, made his music grow on me even stronger, even though I was familiar with Peter's work back then, but I, I really didn't listen to the entire album because. I couldn't buy it at the time. I just had no money. I was a teenager, by the way. I I, I came back to Germany. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I lived in Canada as a child. And when I came back to Germany, I was um, nine years old. That was in 1989. So, you know, while I was exploring music and basically electronic stuff in the 80s back in the day, or... Uh, revisiting the 80s again, listening to, you know, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, uh, anything else that comes to mind. And occasionally, always a song about Peter Gabriel or from Peter Gabriel. I got to place this microphone a little bit closer. I don't feel like screaming today. In case you're wondering, am I drinking? Yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. But it's not alcohol. It's, again, water. Look, I initially wanted to go outside today because the weather seemed fine and just when I started to get my stuff, you know, I wanted to prepare for a longer bicycle tour, I noticed that today is not the best day for that. There's rain expected, it's a little bit too cold and windy outside, so I guess I might not do it. It's maybe not a good idea. But tomorrow should be a longer period of sunlight during the day, much warmer too. And I think it's a good day to make a few photos of the forest and, you know, make some sna uh, snapshots here and there. And I'd like to take a different tour this time, just to get my mind off of things. But, you know, I don't want to really dwell too much into the old history of my private life uh, unless I connect it somehow to the album and I'd like to do that uh, maybe you can relate if you've listened to his record maybe you can't maybe you will in the future and you feel intrigued I have no idea all I do is talk about the things that I love um, I also talk about the things I hate and well yeah today it's not so much about hate although it will come to it though there is a portion of hate somewhere down the line. But until then, let me just get my facts straight here about the record. And then we can continue discussing and exploring the fantastic music of Peter Gabriel. Well, just to clarify one thing, though, in, in comparison to the success of the previous album, So, 
us was way behind in success, um, especially with the money being made and records being sold. We can say, as far as the information goes or the so-called facts, that the album was sold 2.6 million times or over 2.6 million times with uh, the Soul album sold over 10 million. So, you know, we have a large difference here in financial uh, success. But that's also because the, the Us album is not as poppy as, as the So album and wasn't intended to be. And there's a good reason for that. Basically, what Gabriel was doing in those days, um, when you recall that there was uh, also a soundtrack, I think in between uh, the release of of the, the Us album. I could be wrong. I don't want to really look that up as of now. But I know that somewhere down the line, after the So album came out, there was a soundtrack for the movie called Last Temptation of Christ, which I believe William Defoe was in the leading role as Jesus. Um, I haven't seen the movie to date, but I have listened to the soundtrack because it was released under Gabriel's own real-world record. And, um, I mean, the, the label, of course, you know. And it's an interesting um, masterpiece of sound. It's, it's very difficult for me to actually give you a proper description of that soundtrack because it is filled with all sorts of musical uh, audio gems in terms of performances, vocals, instruments of all sorts from all over the world. And it's, it's really a world music soundtrack for a pretty important movie. And... I think one of the most fascinating things that came about with that with that soundtrack, and now that I, re I remember that there was the album 16 Golden Greats, which came out before the Us album, there was also a part of that, that album which, called, was, which was called Czar. And that is probably the most intriguing, obscure, and, and, and complex piece of music Gabriel has ever managed to create. And he did not do it by himself, of course. I mean, the Us album, for example, and, and all the contributions with, with, the, um, with uh, the, his band members and, and all sorts, you know, it, it, they just made a portion of the music and the sound. Everything else was crafted by very talented uh, musicians from, from Africa, from, I don't know, God knows where. It's a, it's a huge list of people contributing to, to Peter's album, and he was looking for a specific sound for each and every track to make it not only different, but it was something for him that was very dear to, first of all, get more attention to uh, music from, from other countries, to world music in total. And I know it's sad that we still have to use the term world music, but it's important, I think, to understand that in, in, a, in a world like ours, being spoiled by Western music, especially from uh, Great Britain and America, where uh, there's a quite a stereotypical form of sound. Now, I don't want to trash everything by saying that. That's not what I mean, but we're used to this kind of stuff. We're used to rock and roll and pop. That's basically what I'm saying. With uh, it doesn't matter if it's if if there's influence of electronic music or not. It pretty much all revolves in circles around uh, the Western culture. And in Peter's mind, I think he he believes that there is more 
to it than the music that we know and love and have been introduced to uh, than, than just what we have in, in the European and American market. And um, of course, we could implement everything that we know and listen to from Southeast East Asia, especially Japan. But if you're a bit honest here, a lot of musicians in Japan are just copying what they know from uh, the Western world and, and other countries because I didn't even know, for example, that Elvis was huge in, in, in Japan. And there are many Japanese Elvis impersonators walking around doing a great job of singing and then performing like, like Elvis. There are people there enjoying the 50s music, the 60s, the swing and, and, and you know, the, the swing time of the 1940s. Um, there is a, a, a lot of love for jazz too. You know, it's everything that the entire world probably, especially let's, let's say the, the, the Western world during the modern age of the 1960s up to, or from the 1940s to be fair, up to today, there is so much that has been exported to other countries and, and Japan is still exploring this kind of music because they learn to cherish all sorts of, of music sources around the world, not just their own stuff and traditional Japanese music, but they're just exploring in the end and they like to adapt that kind of stuff. They, they have adapted metal to their uh, soundscape, to their uh, world. And, and there are so many bands that came together to just explore uh, what they could do with their language and their culture uh, in, in being influenced by the metal music and metal, um, like speed metal uh, or grunge, for example, and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't basically, I, I don't personally listen to a lot of the Japanese music that is out there. It's, it's, the reason for that is not that they're bad. By far, no, of course not. If I listen to Japanese music, it has to be something I haven't listened to before. You know, like something that is a bit more unique, a bit moody, a bit um, melancholic in, in such a way. And I think a very good example of that music would be a soundtrack that I could recommend to you um, where a lot of Japanese musicians and artists have... Uh, not well they haven't put a track on the album themselves but it was chosen for a soundtrack for a movie with Bill Murray called Lost in Translation and if you've never seen the movie um, it is without a doubt one of the biggest movie gems out there and it is one of the more serious and really well acted movies of Bill Murray and um, Scarlett Johansson by the way who was, uh, was playing a love interest in his life but it's not traditional love. It just I don't want to talk about the movie too much. But the point is the, the, the movie is carrying a lot of very interesting, unique sound pieces that partially originate from the Japanese music market. And they're extremely well-talented people. And it's, it's, that kind of stuff is interesting to me because it's really different. So I do listen to that. It's a lot of electronic uh, music as well. And uh, if you want to go deeper into a more specific type of Japanese sound, there's the Ghost in the Shell anime soundtrack, the original one, um, which I have bought many years ago on CD. I still have that record. And it is a... Th that record is beyond incredible. You know, that is really something to look out for. That is something that you have to listen to at least once in your life to understand what music can be not just the same generic crap that you hear 
most of the time on the radio, you know, and, and that's important. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I assume that Peter is thinking in the same aspect that it's, it's more than just a necessity to bring those music gems from all over the world together and to shed some light on it or make, make it more obvious for people and gain attention that there is music out there that they might like just the same, that, might, that they might enjoy and don't even know it exists. And I think the Us album is a very good example of, of uh, that music collection, that in inspiring sound that you hear throughout the entire album, to be fair. And um, I think with his contribution and in, in, in work that he did, this um, collaboration with all the artists, on the soundtrack for The Last Temptation of Christ, I think that pretty much uh, made way for an album to be based on that music or music style anyway and all the instruments, the influence there, while still exploring his personal life and, and emotional uh, tragedies that he came across. And um, that's where it's interesting, where this is where the story should begin for me personally. Because when I was back then in... Um, 1992, I, I heard his music and of course um, the songs like Steam and Digging in the Dirt were played on the radio more often and you know back then I, the internet was was available to, to me at least in some capacity. Not very much though, I, we had like an analog modem. You know, you, you can imagine what that sound, sounds like when you have like an old US robotics modem. Uh, 56 bout I think. If I remember correctly, I don't even know how much a kilobyte that would be. I have to calculate that. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it really, it was damn fucking slow. We also tried to download movies back then, which was almost impossible. It took a day to get a movie down, you know? That was the kind of life we had. Mm. Anyway, enough of that. Um, Where was I? 1992, yeah, I was intrigued by hearing those those sounds, especially the way uh, Steam sounded when he was hitting his high notes there, something that really stands out in the live performances of the Secret World Tour. Um, Steam was just a blast uh, on stage. It was more interesting to listen or to watch him perform Steam than performing Sledgehammer. To be honest, it's uh, I think Steam is a slightly more creative song in comparison to Sledgehammer, but that's just my personal opinion. I I could be wrong, but um, the album when I finally bought it, that was I think sometime in 1994, when the Secret World Tour was about to end, and I think um, 1993 was pretty much the height of that tour. 94, I think that's when uh, things became a bit more. I think even emotional for him. I think there was a fallout or falling falling out with uh, Sinead O'Connor. And, you know, because she contributed to the Us album, just like Kate Bush did for uh, for this O album. Although um, I, 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 I do believe that I'm not mistaken when I say that um, I do prefer the voice of Sinead O'Connor a bit more in the Us album than Kate Bush on uh, so and, and don't give up or games without frontiers for that matter. Not that I, there's anything wrong with with Kate Bush's performance, 
it's just a personal preference for me that from the end result of that song when it was mixed, a final mix of, let's say, Blood of Eden, I think the the very gentle voice of of Sinead O'Connor does a perfect job in, let's say, creating an, a vocal aura around that song where even though you hear Peter Moore in the forefront, it's... Um, it gives a very unique touch to the song, and it's very important that it's there, and I'm pretty glad that she did that. Um, same goes for... Uh, I think she's also to be heard in Come Talk to Me. I have to listen to that song again, which is kind of funny, because I've listened to the song, I think, uh, a gazillion times. But uh, I'm, I'm sure she's on there. It's just... My head is somewhere else when I listen to that song. And... <laughs> That's why when I say um, it's the most personal record for me, too. And I don't want to start by saying, you know, just describing all the musicians participating in, 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 in this album. There's so many people, not just, uh, you know, the, the traditional band members like Tony Levin and David Rhodes. There's Manu Kache on drums. Uh, you have Richard Blair. Uh, on keyboards, I think. Then you got Brian Eno, additional keyboards for um, for Love to Be Loved, which is the second track, one of my favorite songs overall. And yes, Sinead O'Connor is there. Um, I just looked it up. It is Come Talk to Me and Blood of Eden. Yeah. So I was right there. Um, we got Peter Hamill uh, on, on vocals for Digging in the Dirt, although I don't really... Uh, hear them. I, I can't locate them sonically to determine exactly where those vocals actually uh, appear. And maybe it's it's on purpose. I don't know. It's 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 mixed very cleverly there. Oh, it looks like that Alexa just tried to talk to me. What did I say? What did I say that triggered that fucking thing? Never mind. And of course, there's the El Shankar again on violins for uh, a lot of those tracks here and it's it tim green is here um a saint yum uh john paul jones uh, there's so many people william orbit even he's programming actually he's more the programmer he has done a few of his own mixes over the years i think he's uh, a purely electronic artist as far as i know anyway but to list them all would be just nonsense it would just uh squeeze the the entertainment factor for me personally out of the explanation for my personal affection for the album so i'll just skip that uh, suffice to say there are so many people contributing to this album that it makes it very 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 unique without their help peter would not be able to create such an interesting masterpiece uh fair and square and it, it always has been he's a good performer on his own but he is a little better i think when he's when he gets necessary help. So the album starts with Come Talk To Me. Now, when I listened to that the first time, when I had the album the first time, I um, I was touched by, by this song uh, anyway. And I think the uh, original idea for Peter's uh, vision for the song was actually to establish uh, a cry out to his daughter or uh, I'm not sure if it was for both daughters, you know, Anna and um, Melanie Gabriel. It's, I think it was because of uh, some kind of dysfunction there and non-communication with his 
uh, daughters and the problem that he had by being divorced from his wife. That really took a toll on him and he went to therapy. And I think creating this album pretty much is a part of that therapy where he explores um, emotional tragedies and of course the the social elements of, of any kind of relationship that you bump into. But this is basically just a relationship between between two people loving each other, no matter if a man, a woman, whatever sex, it doesn't matter. This is purely based on, on love, the experience of love, the tragedies that happen when you get hurt or disappointed, uh, betrayed, or just angry because of whatever nonsense that occurred. And Come Talk to Me is pretty much uh, the reason that I kept listening to the album overall. It's, it's um, when I think of this song, I think of pretty much all the people that I've lost. I, uh, I was thinking a lot about um, my father back then because during the 90s I had, we, we did have contact to my dad, but we, we did not have contact to, um, to a great portion of his personal life. It was just more of a, of a facade, you know, when he, when he came from Taiwan to Germany, we sort of, when I say we, I mean a brother of mine and um, uh, <laughs> there's a darker story to that. And my mom, and um, I think my dad tried to establish uh, a stronger connection, more fluent connection to us, to all of us really, because he tried to, to live a double life, sort of like being a family man and a businessman in, in Taiwan and then another more estranged family man for the German family, you know, so that was a bit difficult to, to get through. And because of, because of this, this feeling of loss and missing out on communication and openness and all that, just um, finding a connection somewhere in your own family, even though this family does not work at all, it's dysfunctional beyond belief. That's also for me where this song comes into play because um, there are certain people out there that I wish I could have had more contact to, but just wasn't really possible at the time. And now most of them are gone or just dead. So uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is I've lost um, a great deal of friends and friendships based on moving or, you know, just life in general where you just don't really uh, try to get in contact too much because it's redundant over a longer distance where you just don't see each other. And um, I've, I've, I've learned also to, uh, to forgive certain people for their mistakes, for the things that they've done. And um, I also... When I listen to this song, because of the, the, the lack of communica communication and that you really miss someone specifically and you wish you could talk to them again. And that also happened to me in, in my love life where I just, I wish there were more, more times available for me to actually talk to these people and try to get them closer to me. So Come Talk To Me is a, is a very open, very raw and honest emotional song about... Uh, the, the human need for companionship of any kind, not just relationship-wise to your family or, you know, sons and daughters and all that, but it's, it's basically everything that you need as a human being is somehow connected to social contacts. And I personally have minimized them to a great extent. I don't need that much connection to people 
right now, but back then when I was a teenager, that was different. I needed contact. I needed companionship. I needed friends. And it was very difficult to find them. So every time I felt kind of down or sad, I just, I was clinging to this album. I listened to it over and over again. And Come Talk to Me is one of those songs that are very strong in, in their delivery and their message, in, in, or in its message would be the proper sentence, I suppose. And it was just, as an opener for this album, you pretty much understand right from the start, from the get-go, where this album is headed and why it was uh, conceived in such a way to be that emotional, to be just very personal. And I do understand that lots of people don't really care too much about this kind of stuff. They're not looking for an open book of someone's life or even lyrically anything that might be uh, triggering an emotion that they do not want to feel. Most people try to avoid that in music, which I have noticed quite often. You know, there's a reason why pop music is so popular. It's not just because of, because of uh, earworms that we like to hear over and over again, something that, get, that gets burned into your brain. It's just basically a distraction of that what pulls you down. But distracting yourself from that is not really a good solution in, in the long run. Sometime you have to deal with that darkness and get through it and then become maybe a better person or just a stronger person by dealing with it somehow. You know, and that's where this song, for me at least, uh, is a very good example of how to do that by just being very honest about your feelings. And just dealing with them somehow. You don't have to expose yourself, you know, to other people and make yourself vulnerable all the time. That's not really helping. But if you do manage to do that, the only thing that I would hope for anyone is to find a person where your uh, openness, your your um, your affection, no matter if, if it's uh, love or uh, real love interest or friendship or family, when that you do not get hurt and show yourself in a very vulnerable position by opening your needs, by opening your wishes and what it is that you need from that person, uh, if there is anything to gain anyway. But I think you know what I mean. Hmm. Now, the second track, which is a song I've, I have remarkably listened to many, many times, <clears throat> especially during... Now, this sounds a bit redundant and, and weird, but I've, I've played first-person shooters a lot in my lifetime. And back in the day when I listened to this album, I was playing Quake. Now, in case you don't know what kind of game that is, it's just you, you're just this, this uh, space marine kind of guy. And uh, your job is to kill demons, just like in the old Doom games, right? So you walk around in these 3D levels and maps of all sorts, and then you just blast away. On these creatures and the texture in those maps these dungeons that were designed to be creepy um while i was playing that game i was able to use um instead of the original soundtrack i was implementing the us album uh while playing that game now i know that sounds crazy because it's a very violent game where you just shoot and shoot and blast everything but there were certain maps when they started playing love to be loved was being played in the background so you can imagine me walking around with guns and shit like that through a dungeon while this very open and emotional song was being played. 
it didn't fit at first. But then playing it after a while, over and over again, the same map when the song was playing, seemed to work all of a sudden just fine. And of course, no, it's not about violence. It's not about shooting around. It was the theme of that, that game. The atmosphere and, and the design that pretty much connected itself to uh, the song very much. And when I remember what I felt back then, it was not just opening yourself up by expressing love and the need for love to be a better, better functioning human being, I suppose. But it was also graphically, from what I saw in that game, those textures, it just underlined the bloody truth that this song was exposing, the message that was just bring, being put out. Love to be loved lyrically is, is a beautiful masterpiece of, of music. It's, it, it is showing the most natural thing in the world, which is the need for love. It's laying it all down as honest and open as a human being can be and delivers a very solid, rough message that I'm happy when people love me. And that is it. And it's necessary that we feel it sometimes. It is great that we, we can be loved by someone, sometimes, somewhere. Again, it doesn't matter where that love comes from and where, it's, uh, where, where it can be found, but it should be found at some point in life. And this is just a cry out for that kind of necessity, for this, for this feeling. And I think I've listened to this song at least over 20 years. And I've been, I've been listening it in my car when I'm on the road, when I am on my bicycle, when I take a walk, when I take a hike, on vacation, um, before and after work. I listen to this song quite a lot. And it is... I remember back in the day, uh, during the 90s again, during my teenage years, being, sorry, I got to drink something, being surrounded by people who were trying to, to abuse you verbally and emotionally, just showing you that you're not worth anything, that you're not um, on their level, you're not an equal, you're not tolerated or respected. And they needed that, you know, to, to get their own shit out use you as a punching bag and that was for a while my daily experience when i um when i listened to to their nonsense and i knew every day when i went out there when i went to school it's not going to be a good day and i always i always knew i was a punching bag and i tried to defend myself but i was too weak to do that to be fair um, I did have people to talk to for a while, but it wasn't really helping because I noticed that those people were, if they started realizing that I was really talking openly about my feelings, they felt uncomfortable and they were not capable of answering me in a proper way. So they either made fun of me or, you know, just started bullying me once again. So that's a pretty disappointing, uh, disappointing experience. I don't know why I had to go through that. I have no idea. It's just one of these things that you, that you manage to, uh, to escape from, <clears throat> I think, over the years. When you think that you found people to talk to and then you just um, figure out that you've been wasting your time and energy on them. That's looking for love in the wrong places. Not just in my own home, in my four walls, you know, in, in my uh, family life. 
um, I think I had a huge necessity for being loved. I was desperate to be loved, not just by by friends, but I was also looking for something for the heart, you know, something for me that I could um, be a part of, like in a true uh, loving relationship. And I I never found that. And uh, I think over the years, I've pretty much gotten cold to it. Very, not too cold, but realistically cold and just um, almost dismissive to this topic. And it took me a long time though to get there. And I feel better now about myself, even if that message is not the most positive one. I understand that. But back in the day when I listened to that song, it's, it was it was all about that that feeling, that that personal vulnerability to scream out to the world, you know, I, I, I am a human being, I mean something, I have value and I have feelings, and I'd like them to be uh, respected or at least answered in, in such a way that would make sense for any human being to be uh, decently treated. So, I can't really say much more than that. It was, it's really, it comes down to the, to, to the fact that I had something in my life that was missing and I was looking for it and I, I almost, almost, almost never found it. I found it in a certain amount of friendships that I could build up back then. That was good for me. But everything else, no. Family didn't work. Uh, I had lots of fights, lots of disagreements. That's pretty much where digging in the dirt comes into play for me, but we'll get to that song later. The third track, Blood of Eden. Well, uh, when I listened to that track the first time, I wasn't really um, too keen on it at first. It, this, this song needed some time to grow on me because I listened to it over and over again in specific situations or just in my free time during the weekend while I was sitting in front of a desk and trying to draw uh, manga characters and stuff like that, trying to practice that, you know, getting the technique down. So I listened to a bunch of music, especially Peter. So uh, Blood of Eden was also in that loop cycle. Um, Blood of Eden still is a, well, it's a very colorful description of the relationship between a man and a woman, basically, and or any kind of loving relationship, really. And because of that, um, something I haven't really experienced up to that point, at least not as pure as you would expect it to be, um, compared to messages and songs like these, um... I never gave it much thought, really. I like the lyrics a lot. They're very mythical and um, convey a bit more of a secret, I think, to explore between uh, social bondings and uh, emotional relationships. But I don't think... Today I listen to this song, I think, more often, but back in the day I didn't really do that. It is a good song, though. Listening, like I said, to Sinead O'Connor in the background is... um, is really touching. I, I think the vibe of her voice is just right for this track. It fits like a glove, really. It's I, I've, I've listened to a cover of this song on one of these tribute albums, but never really got behind those performances. It didn't feel right. This one, the original one, that just feels right. And it's also, um, if you listen to the Secret World live tour, um, Paula Cole being the a tour member there, the vocal member of, of, of Peter's tour, does a remarkable job of adding much more 
to uh, the depth of, of, of the emotional value of these songs. Uh, oh, sorry. I just, I bashed my microphone. Her voice is just magic in Come Talk to Me, Blood of Eden, and especially Don't Give Up. It's really powerful. And it's also one of my favorite performances overall. So, Blood of Eden, um, whichever version you do prefer, is, is really a great piece of art. And there's also a newer version that was done and sung by, by Gabriel. And it's, it sounds a bit more refined and more gentle, I think, more touching and emotional than the original version. But nonetheless, it's really a, a great song and an important one. Well, let's jump to Steam then, right? I mean, Steam is... What is Steam actually? What is it supposed to be? Some think it's supposed to be about the uh, eccentric form of success in, in life in general, not just success in jobs, but in life, as in being just respected and a lovable human being to other people, gaining respect, gaining fame, gaining love, sex, pretty much anything. I, just, I don't think it's a direct follow-up to to Sludgehammer. I think uh, Steam was supposed to be a bit more complex. And also, you have the feeling that, that during those lyrics, when he sings like, um, you know your plastic from your cash. Um, you know your straight line from a curve. You've got a lot of nerve, but I know you. Um, it's, it's, I think it's about someone, the way I see it anyway, I think it's about a, a person being addressed here that might not be directly connected to Peter's life, but to um, to someone out there that we might all know and can maybe identify with or uh, remember at some point. A person who was bending the rules for him and herself. A person to be free from the oppression in society. A person to be free from judgment, from rules and regulations by being just a free spirit and enjoying what it is that you do, being sex, being uh, money, success, um, anything of that. I think Steam is a collection of that. It's not just about, you know, one specific thing about just enjoying sex like uh, Sledgehammer would be, or being a more energetic, uh, erotic version of whatever social connection that you might think of. I don't think that. I think Steam is everything. Uh, I think Steam accompanies all that is good and bad at the same time about what people do when they reach out too far. And it, it's, it can be good, it can be positive for you, and it can be also bad in a, in a specific way. But this is a, a slightly egocentric song about a specific person who just goes on his or her merry way uh, without remorse you know, without, without taking a break, without attention to others very much. Uh, just like, you know, you've, you've got, you know your straight line from a curve. You've got a lot of nerve. And I know you. Or uh, there's a different part of that lyric where he says or sings, um, you, you think you've been blessed, you know, but I know you. That's, that's the kind of thing that really... Uh, hits me at at one point. It's it's such a great song, but I think the message in there is a bit darker, and I think you all know what that means. 
Steam performed live, like I said, is fantastic. It really is. It's one of my favorite performances uh, that I've seen so far. Come Talk to Me was live spectacular as an opener, especially with the phone booth coming out of the ground from, from the stage. Uh, that was visually and uh, right down to just pure symbolism. I think this song was was performed as perfect as it could be. I don't think that there is a better version out there. I've, I've heard two acoustic versions of Come Talk to Me from, from Gabriel, but the live performance is just a piece of cake, is, is a piece of sweet cheesecake with a cherry on top. It's amazing. It really is amazing. Paula Cole playing the counterpart of uh, singing, of, of just in, in, in embodying a person that he would like to be connected to again. And where, that, that point on stage where he gets pulled back by the string, by the wire of the telephone back into the telephone booth, uh, just symbolizing how difficult it is to actually get in contact with, with someone that you desperately want to talk to. It is fucking beautiful. It's really, it's simple, but it works so well. And uh, you got to see it. The Secret World, Secret World Live Tour is really something to look out for. But I think you could say that about every artist doing it live, right? But this one really is uh, spectacular. I think um, the value of symbolism, uh, mythological elements in music, and his in his lyrics combined with the visuals on stage and performance, I think Secret World tops what we see in the So Tour. The So Tour was based on the popularity of the album. That's basically it. And he did the best he could with that. I don't think it was necessary to over-dramatize the stage performances. The best thing ever happening on, on, on the So Tour in general was the extremely well-crafted dramatic performance of Mercy Street. And that is something that stands on its own. You know, It will, it will stand the test of time for being really uh, a piece of poetry coming to life. A piece of poetry that was inspired by Anne Sexton. But uh, Secret World, well, goes a different step. Like I said, this is a very emotional album. And Peter wanted to create and craft uh, visual symbolism to his, uh, and, and metaphors to his uh, songs to make it more of, of a vivid experience that some people might understand and connect to. And you can really see that when you witness the uh, spectacular performances of pretty much all songs. Really, not all songs are necessarily perfect gems when it comes to uh, the concept of the album. But nonetheless, it was a interesting, an interesting ride. And, uh, and Steam is like you know the, the the music video tried to be very creative, to be um, somewhere on par with a Sledgehammer, which is not possible. To be fair, uh, Sledgehammer was just. Um, the, the amount of work that the artists have put into this very unique animation sequence is, you can't just reproduce that. You know, if, if you take the same approach again to make a music video to accompany the Steam song, I think you would fail if you would try to copy that. So they tried to be more different again by creating, using, you know, 3D rendered images and animation sequences a 3D version of Peter, which was supposed to be used in future productions in case Peter gets too old, which um, I think might be an element we could see in the future again. Um, 
expecting, of course, or at least, you know, uh, um, depending on if we ever see another album of, of Peter, which we, which we, we all hope we do. Um, but it, this reminds me of what ABBA did with their recent album when they just announced like, you know, coming back again and just making one, maybe one last album. I don't know. I've listened to a portion of their, their songs. The, the music is great. I think it's, it's, it is quite beautiful. It's not really unique, but it's, it's, it's really nice to know and to hear that ABBA is doing something again. And there is a music video where they rendered the younger versions of themselves, which looks, uh, stunning really it's it's an interesting piece of work to make themselves be immortal on screen in a digital form you know and i think peter might have been thinking in the same direction when this idea was approached i'm not sure if it was his idea probably not but somebody introduced him more likely to the uh, 3d renders of his face and suggesting if this would be more refined, we could use that in future projects where we could just render Peter for uh, whatever project or live performance if it was necessary. And I think we're going to see that in the future for all artists who ever really lived on, on Earth. Let's say Elvis, you know, there was a holographic presentation of Elvis some time ago and people attended, wanted to see that. There was a holographic uh, projection of Michael Jackson even, right? I don't remember exactly when that was. But that's just one step into the necessary direction to create something that people would like to see maybe and also to generate a cash flow to labels of all kind owning the rights to Michael Jackson's music or any other artist's music. So there's a downside to that too. It's always about capitalism in the end. But if you live in a, in, in a world where these artists have uh, just ceased and, and died. There's nothing else you can do other than, you know, uh, buying the material that was produced by them, uh, watching recorded live performances, maybe movies where they participated, like in, in Elvis, for example. And that's it. And then you get this, this chance to have some sort of live experience by faking uh, the performance of, of Elvis. And I think there are many methods in how to do that you could maybe you know make a, a motion capturing scene or seamless live transfer of somebody performing as elvis and then just rendering a uh, like like a deep fake animation of of elvis on top of that and then streaming it as a um, as a holographic image on stage to make everyone just go completely bananas by, you know, just that could be possible that we could see that in, in the near future if it hasn't even been done already. And I can see Peter somewhere down the line performing Steam or Sledgehammer in the same, in the same way. Not that I really want to see that, but since Peter was always open to technology anyway and what you could do with technology, I think it's safe to say that we might be able to see stuff like that in the near future. So, um, the next song would be the fifth song on the album is Only Us. Now, that is, that's a, this is a more typical, yet again typical Gabriel song that goes a bit under the radar on this album, just like on previous albums with so, uh, songs like Lead a Normal Life 
or uh, you know exposure, this kind of stuff. I think only us almost goes in the same direction, even though the lyrics are more uh, polished and deliver a specific message that is again connected to his personal experiences in in, in life and his divorce. Um, I don't really know exactly what Only Us stands for. I'm not quite sure what it is that he's trying to deliver in, in, in this song. But it, it, is, it is, again, about emotional uh, experiences and I think more of being hurt and loss in life or loss of, of love in, in his own way or his own experience, I would think. I think the divorce that he went through took a toll on his emotional side and his, his uh, cerebral side like it, it does pretty much for all people unless you don't feel anything, right? Then in his way, the artwork was a good way to deal with that. And I think therapy made way for that kind of artwork to emerge and be crafted. And Only Us is a most likely, I would say, um, something that has been born out of it, you know, and thinking about this song, I, I got to say, Only Us is, is, I do like hearing it. It's uh, especially the ending of the song where it, it takes a, a higher, a faster and higher beat, a more, not poppy, and it's not poppy. It's just, it's, it takes a different pace in the song to make it like, um, to prepare the song for the ending, so to speak, to just deliver the message that is just... Um, when he says or sings in his final notes, I hear you calling me home from the great escape. Beautiful stuff, really. So overall, I think the the final thing that comes to mind when thinking about the song, what he might have been trying to uh, convey and deliver is he was escaping from something that that really beat him up, that that made him uh, experience a lot of negative uh, emotions, maybe being emotionally beaten, verbally beaten, and then escaping from all that mess into a, a new direction to find his true home, wherever that might be. And that can be just in your mind, in your heart, emotionally or physically even. And I think that's pretty much all that we know. We're going to turn around shortly. There's something is cracking in the background. and I don't know what that is. Maybe my mind is playing tricks on me. Well, anyway, uh, Only Us is uh, from the style, from the audio, from, from the instruments being played. Um, the style of the song is much uh, more uh, melancholic than, than most other tracks here. It's, it, it, I think it almost goes into the direction of digging in the dirt, but not as, as angry or loud, at least. But it touches on a, on a very sensitive subject of being hurt and running away. At least I think it is. You know, it's, I, I don't know for sure. It's just uh, always the same. A lot of songs of Peter Gabriel just open for, for interpretation for anyone who's listening. And that's the beauty of music in general. It just it depends what you listen, what you hear, what you think it might be, what you connect it to in your own life and uh, experience. So it, it can be really anything you want. But, well, okay, that's enough of that song. 
Uh, the next one is washing of the water. I think that's pretty, uh, it's, this is a very good song. And it's again, another masterpiece on this album that reveals the vulnerability of a human being and uh, wishing upon a person that you once were together with and hoping to find relief through, in this case, a symbolism would be a river of transporting you and the, the hurt that you feel, the anger, the disappointment, uh, the, the, the tragedy of it all, and just trying to wash it all away. And the symbolism and the text, the lyrics here, are rock solid in this song. It's also, it, just like Love to be Loved, this is a very straightforward song, I, I, I would say. It's a, it's a gentle melody which reveals very raw emotions, in my opinion. It's, uh, it, it's, it's something that is sometimes necessary to just speak out. And this album speaks out all of it, really. The um, emotional damages that we have to endure sometimes during our lives. Again, one of these songs like uh, Washing of the Water is something that I listened to on a regular basis when I was a teenager. It just, it really addresses certain amounts of fear and, and, um, and disappointment, I think. This was for me really a, a form of admitting that you have been emotionally hurt and disappointed in such a way that you need to try to come clean and wash it off whatever that might be that, that hurt you. And back in the day, it was more like, for me, it was a very difficult relationship that I had between um, my first real girlfriend and me. And it was just, you know, she wasn't very honest to me. She, she tried to be, but she wasn't. And uh, I, I had to learn it the hard way that, you know, when, when you get disappointed, it can be messy and very harsh. And I think washing of the water comes, comes near to that. And of also, and I know this might not be the same topic, but I had a very disappointing relationship with my mom. My mother is just not really a caring human being when it comes to, to family values and their children. I know this is harsh when I say that, but it's unfortunately the truth. Um, in her own mind, she sees it differently. And it's very, very difficult to get through that to make her understand that not everything is really uh, well intended when it comes from her mind. And I can, I can give you one example just to, to, to I, I have to take a break after, after I, I reveal this and talk about my past again. Um, I remember when I was uh, drawing for the first time a bit more professionally and made full, uh, uh, full page comics for um, a guy I, I know of who has become a friend of mine in Switzerland. And he gave me a chance to express myself in an artistic fashion, something I still need to work on later on to make a, a new sketch. You know, and just making these gag comic figures, these Hugo comics that I've been working on for so many years now, just, it, it, it's not an ongoing series. We had to stop it at some point because it's, it, it serves a purpose for him and his work and a less purpose for me personally. But that's a different, different story. I had the chance to work on something that people could see worldwide and that's okay. That's what this was actually made for. 
and um, because of those those online publishes that I did, you know, and one printed version, I, I I gathered this material and showed it to my mom when I took the train and drove back home to uh, or traveled back home to show her that. And I noticed that my mom was never interested in this kind of stuff. She didn't care if I was drawing or painting. She 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 gave zero shits about that. Seriously, and I'm not making this up, she was not impressed. She wasn't interested. She didn't think it was special and I was wasting my time. But my dad came for a visit over that weekend. He came from Taiwan to say hi and, and to spend some time with us, you know, have, have dinner or something. And while he was standing in the door and my mom uh, was trying to hurt him, she, uh, you know, pulled him in into, into the apartment and said, wait here, we got something to show you. And she pulled out the, uh, you know, those, those pages that I did, the drawings, the final renders and everything, the illustrations, and pointed to him and said, look, your, your son is doing this. He's gain, gaining more attention and fame and, and all that, uh, maybe even some money. And, you know, she wanted to hurt him by saying he did all this by himself. He didn't need you for it, you know, by just expressing... Uh, joy in the fact that she was acting like she was responsible for my creative energy or taking credit for it, even though she had zero interest in it, you know. And all she wanted was to get revenge, to get at him through me, over my body, just to make him feel something or like feeling smaller than he, he was, I suppose. And after she was done and, and, and rubbing it in his face and saying like, look, ha, 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 you know, I'm better than you. This kind of behavior. When he left later on, I thought if she showed so much interest to uh, express her, her fake feelings, which I didn't know back then, for my work, I tried to talk to her about the, the approach to what I did and how I create these, these, these images and how I get the ideas and stuff like that, what my collaboration looks like between that Swiss guy and me. And immediately, I, I swear to you, she showed zero interest. Instead, she went back to the living room watching TV. And you could see from the expression on her face, all she wanted was gaining attention from him, from her ex-husband, to feel some form of revenge and uh, feeling on top of him, feeling more superior and all that, but not really giving a fuck about what I was doing and why I was doing it, you know. And that's when I kind of gave in at that point because I just, I didn't see the reason to even come here even anymore. You know, I was, I was in my early 20s and I, I tried to make, um, wait a minute, was I in my early 20s? Yeah, I think I was. And I really got disappointed there. And that's when the song Digging in the Dirt comes a bit more in the forefront. Um, I got disappointed in my life many, many times. So have you and everyone else in this world. And it's not always our fault. Sometimes it is. Sure, we all do mistakes. But there are always people out there who are trying to hurt you, trying to pull you down, who are jealous, who don't like what it is that you do, who do not like what kind of person you are, how you talk, how you behave, how you laugh, how you share uh, specific ideas with others, how you be 
how you can be emotional to people who uh, in your opinion deserve it but the others don't get it and they're trying to beat you up for it you know trying to just destroy what it is that you stand for to destroy what it is that you believe in and I have experienced that more than enough I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it or anything but I'm just trying to illustrate to you what that means for a human being and how it can really damage you or at least change you in such a way that you learn from those situations but you still have to suffer through them first before you can actually make a final assessment and just close that story and put it somewhere in the trunk of your head before that can happen you got to go through with that and that's when the pain starts and when you analyze those things what happened to you the people you you got you know um, who disappointed you just got in your way or um, somehow pushed you in a corner where you didn't want to be trying to manipulate you that pretty much was an experience I had with my own family members especially with my my mother yes for sure she's a very difficult person to live with <laughs> uh, among other things uh, my brother just the same because he takes a, a, her side mostly to gain something from it because he knows he does he gets money he gets attention he gets a free ride for everything uh, that's that's the kind of thing that spoiled him pretty much and that's also the reason why I broke off contact it's, there is no point for me to actually uh, do anything to pursue any kind of, of emotional uh, connection here you know or family value there is no family value for me and I had to learn that the hard way and it took a very very long time to admit that I have to pull the plug and just be myself all the time and back in those days like I said this this example here of how my my mother was trying to to use me to get to my dad somehow to hurt him just to feel superior to feel some kind of victory that was damaging that was hurtful to me because it wasn't necessary absolutely not the only thing that was necessary for me was to gain some form of of, of, of of respect from her for actually following my my you know my creative impulses that's what I wanted really I wanted support did I get that support no I did not all she wanted was to uh, to be to gain attention from others not just from her ex-husband but from neighbors from friends from other family members that was always the same yeah Alex is so talented he does this and that oh he's going to be one day a great artist and when she came home or at least you know when when this facade the acting was over there was no interest in what I did forget it she actually openly admitted that she doesn't like my drawings she thinks most of them are, were ugly and just not really worth looking at that messes you up as a child really does there's no respect there's no support forget it that woman is is I don't even know where I should you know where I can start to describe her behavior and and make you understand why she did why she did what she did I don't know she has become and I I shit you not the most bitter person I have ever met in my life and I've met quite a few people and this one is just a lost soul in, in in human history it's sad really it really is it, it, I can't sometimes believe that I'm really uh, that I came from her womb I cannot believe 
that I'm even, um, that I'm from her bloodline. But I know deep down, she's still my mom, but I don't feel like it. You know, it, it doesn't, there is, uh, the truth is, from what I experienced over the years, there is no reason for me to see her as my mother. That's the point. I know it's harsh. I know it is. Uh, believe me, I do. I had many discussions about that. But it's the only way for me to see clearly for what the world, my world, really is. And not just some fabrication of acting like the world is fine. The world is not fine. It sometimes is, for sure. But you will get hurt along the way. And that's when this song is ringing in my head. Everyone, my ex-wife, my, my relationships, ex-girlfriends, there is a certain point there where I became, uh, I wouldn't say victim necessarily, that's a bit too over the top, but where I just got hurt and I had to realize this is enough. I am not perfect, of course not. I make mistakes, of course I do. You know, if, if I'd be perfect, I'd, I wouldn't be, uh, I think I wouldn't be a human being. I'd be, I'd be an alien by now. But um, that doesn't change the fact that during the course of your life, you do get hurt from people whom you least expect it from. And that's the most damaging, I think, when it happens. The most scarful thing that can happen. And you will be always reminded of that during your, your life. And I think you should. You know, it, it helps you to understand, first of all, how human beings work, how they think, how they can react, and that you should not really trust everyone who's on uh, the brink of uh, crossing a path with you. And every time I listen to Digging, Digging in the Dirt, I think this is one of the most powerful songs ever written. Like uh, Black Hole Sun from Soundgarden. I would put Digging in the Dirt in the same category, in the same level of power when it comes to these songs. Of course, Soundgarden and their... Um, I know that the lead singer died a while ago, which is very tragic, a, a huge loss in the music industry and to people who knew him. For sure, I'm not making jokes about that. But this song, uh, Black Hole Sun, is is a beautiful, beautiful piece of sound. And I always think of that song too when I listen to Digging in the Dirt and vice versa. It's just, they belong together. You know, they're the same kind of powerful uh, message in music that makes you feel something and makes you think about these uncomfortable things in your life. And I think it's important that we get there sometimes. And Digging in the Dirt helps. It's just like uh, Come Talk to Me and Love to Be Loved, a very open emotional a piece of work that that shows us that we're all vulnerable that we all get hurt and that it's important to walk through that darkness to see the light at the end and i don't try to mean to sound religious it's just a fact of life you have to get through it you have to deal with it somehow you got to address it if you don't think that the people um you have the problem with or the people responsible for hurting you can be dealt with in a decent fashion by communication. And in my experience, believe me, there is that. I could not talk to my ex-girlfriend about this kind of stuff. She would not listen. She wouldn't talk to me. If she had problems or issues with me because of me and what I did, whatever it was, 
Forget it. There is no chance in hell I could pull that out of her. It's impossible. She did not want to communicate. And that's basically the reason why the relationship went down the shitters. I cannot just sit here and say, okay, it's all my fault. Uh, no, sorry. No, it is not. There is something wrong. I get that. I understand. I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to know what it is. And if that person doesn't talk to me, fuck off. Okay? And I gave her many chances to do so, and she didn't want to. So, you know, I don't care. I don't need this, for fuck's sake. Because if you click, if you stick to that and you believe to yourself you need that person desperately in your life, which in my case, I have to admit, wasn't true, then there's a point where you just start suffering from following a person through all sorts of stages in life just to get her to talk to you. And I got to admit, that doesn't make much sense after a while because you're just wasting time and energy. Because if a specific person in your life whom you're affected to, maybe family member or a, a real love interest, relationship, wife, husband, whatever, if the, if the lack of communication is so severe that you start to suffer from it, then you got to move away. If it cannot be resolved, what the fuck are you doing, right? Why are you there in the first place? Then focus on something that makes you happy. Focus on something or someone who might be more important to you, who can give you something that that person cannot give you. And you're done. Okay, that's a, a fair solution from my point, from my mind. Might be a bit unfair to, to others. Okay, it's, uh, some might think I am a bit too radical and drastic in my decision-making. No, that could be true, but it helps. It helps me. It keeps me sane. And um, I don't like to be put in a position where I start, you know, losing it somehow emotionally, being felt like I'm being lost or that I have to make up for something, for something that I'm not even really involved with or connected to. And that's when the song, again, comes into play. For me, at least. And it's good to scream that out, you know, just shut your mouth. You know, put your hands on the wheel. This is for real. <laughs> okay, the correct lyrics, I will have to rewind my head to get those out. But the lyrics, just the, the, the main uh, chorus here, when you, when you think about what he, what, he, what he sings, it's just most honest things that you can think of when you get hurt is digging in the dirt to find the places we got hurt is, is how much more of a fact of fucking life do you need to hear when you listen to lyrics like that? You know, it, that is just the most honest thing that you can hear when a person got hurt sometime in his or her life. Every human being does. And this song really just points it out once again. Here, this, this went wrong. This is where you got hurt. The person responsible, you think is resp responsible because you're angry and frustrated, should just shut the fuck up. And that's the message at the end of this song because you need distance, right? You just need fucking distance. Get away from me. I need time for myself to heal and think about what happened. This is a song about not only being hurt, but it's about healing. Maybe looking for forgiveness if you've done something wrong. Maybe it's about forgiving others if they have done something wrong, which would be more 
more plausible and logical for this song. But um, uh, for me personally, this is just, this is a punch in the gut when I sometimes listen to this song because it, it just pulls up all of the things that happened to me. And sometimes most of these issues I kind of dealt with already, you know, but sometimes I remember what happened. I remember, sometimes I like to remember to get a few things in my head back again. And then I, I grow from this because I understand I actually mastered these situations. You know, I got them behind me. I got through it. You know, I could, I could erase, well, maybe not erase, but I could kick off the things that kind of pulled me down, that made me sad, that made me frustrated, or maybe made me doubt myself. And I'm happy that I got through that. And so should you in case you've encountered the same kind of situation or a similar one. We're all human in the end, but you know we, we do not need to suffer all the time just because someone doesn't, doesn't like you very much or doesn't like what it is that you do. And yeah, that's... Um, I got to take a break. I'll be right back. <laughs> I, I got to go someplace. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, it's redundant, right? I should have just paused right away and, and, and never told anyone that I just had to, to leave to find the restroom in my apartment. But it makes it funny for me. So, who cares, right? Uh, anyway, where was I? The, the last two or uh, three tracks of the album. Yeah, f- number eight would be 14 Black Paintings, then Kiss That Frog and Secret World. Well, where do we go from here, huh? Um, 14 black paintings is, oh, well, um, I think it is one of my favorite songs. I know I say this all the time, but you know, I'm, I'm a Gabriel fanatic. What do you want from me? Uh, 14 black paintings is a typical, once again, typical underdog song of Peter Gabriel. Whereas it's very weird very strange, obscure, and carries a ton of world music capacity uh, sound-wise. And uh, the lyrics are extremely powerful. And uh, in case you don't know what these lyrics are, they're not very long or complex in, in any, any way, but the message is very clear. And this addresses, I think, something else than just his personal life. It, this addresses the idea and the movement, the power of the human people when change arises. Now let me just uh, gather my my thoughts here. And we can go through these lyrics and you can maybe understand why I like this song so much. Well, the the song (laughs) starts uh, in such a way... I'm I'm getting a bit tired, I'm sorry. I need to drink another cup of coffee, I suppose. Um, The song starts with the lyrics... Or basically, the song starts with a melody being played. With uh, I'm not quite sure what instrument that is. If that is the duduk or something, I don't know. It it is. Um, it, it starts with this flute-like melody, and then it comes into a more uh, with within within being played by like a uh, church organ, almost. That it it sounds like. He's preparing for something like a vision of sorts. 
that would emerge from the lyrics than in the end. But he's setting down or setting the ground for the mood to build up. Then with the e-guitar in the background, a riff that gets sort of played. And, and um, of course, a, a, a wide range of vocal arrays that he has been putting out at the end of the song. But before that, the lyrics pop in and the lyrics are as follows. From the pain come the dream. From the dream come the vision. From the vision come the people. From the people come the power. And from this power comes the change. That is a beautiful uh, message to pretty much anything that encompasses that. Any inventor, any anyone who has influence in this world, anyone who does something for himself privately, is is it comes down to this in the end. Maybe not always through pain, but it starts with pain. At least in the song and his in his vision. And I think I'm not sure if that is true. There is not really much I have found out about the song, but it could be possible that 14 Black Paintings is based off or inspired by um, a painting set in a gallery known as 14 Black Paintings by the artist Francisco Goya. And from what I know, these paintings seem to be quite dark and mysterious, and it seems that Gabriel, just like most of his music, he's a sucker for this kind of stuff, for the moody, darker uh, things in the art world or in life in general. And it might pop into his head that these very simple lyrics, which pretty much just describe a function of chain reactions that can happen when someone makes a dream come true and people get inspired by this dream and the vision of the dream and perform a powerful act to actually cause change. That is pretty much what I understand from the song. The lyrics are straightforward. Okay, there's not really much magic to that but the powerful performance of gabriel in the song the way he he chants out his vocals when doing this and singing the song is just breathtaking it is a it's it's more than just powerful i think it's the most important song on this album to put it mildly so um, i've never heard this song being being played live at least i don't know if it actually has been played live before and even if I could find it somewhere, I'm sure the audio recording is not good enough to actually give this song any justice, you know, to really capture the, the soundscape of that song. Jesus Christ. I mean, the album version itself is just like, like a gigantic bomb that goes off. It's really beautiful. Well, where were we now? What else? Yeah, it's... Uh, oops, I'm sorry. What was that? I hope I didn't ex make your ears explode. That was a bit not nice. The charging cable of the, the MacBook just flew into space. Never mind. Um, kiss that frog. <laughs> so, okay, what, what the hell is up with this song? When I heard that the first time on the album, I got to admit, it doesn't fit on the album. The This song is just, I think, a poppy attempt to make a single record to advertise the album, just like Steam. Even though Steam was a lot more successful, so was Digging in the Dirt. Kiss That Frog is a small song that is fun to listen to, but does not fit the overall concept of the album. Even though it is about some kind of... Uh, 
uh, relationship between you know the princess and and the the the, the cursed frog who becomes maybe a prince based on this old mythical story that Peter obviously seems to like so much and he wanted to write a song about that just for for the hell of it I suppose I don't think there's anything much larger going on with this track and I don't think it needs to it's one of these songs that you just listen to and think okay it's kind of catchy and I think Kermit the Frog would like it and and that's it really I sometimes listen to it in my car because the lyrics are fun but uh, overall it's it's a song about the story but not more than that I think and um, the only reference that would accompany this this album and fit to the other theme of the album or the, the overall theme is just this uh, this social bond that could maybe build up between a princess and the unknown ugly frog or the prince who is the frog who, who cares you know it's just <laughs> it's uh it's just a song that popped up on the album that is surprisingly different is what i'm trying to say now i don't hate the song but i don't like really listening to it that often i have to be in the mood for a song like that that's basically all i'm saying it was fun when it was performed live because it's just a very easy letting go uh song anyway um then comes of course the closing song secret world which has become also a trademark of peter's uh traditional classic performances on on stage ever since the album actually came out and i've i remember listening to that song when it was played in uh, the growing up tour I remember listening to it which I gotta say is I think during the growing up phase and and those tours and in future tours I think um secret world has become stronger in in its delivery and performance sound wise anyway especially when David Rhodes starts kicking off the guitar you know and when he does his riff that's just a lot better live by far than what you hear on the studio album the 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 the, the album version of the song is much softer and i th it, it's important the song the lyrics and the message is just fine it really is but it's it's the guitar plays for me personally on this song is what is the weakest and it, maybe it was presented like this purpose uh, on, on on the uh, sorry I just lost it there <laughs> uh, I think it was done on purpose that's what I wanted to say when um, the arrangement was chosen this way the final mix with uh, David Rose guitar uh, I'm not even sure what kind of guitar was played for that for this track it doesn't sound like it was the right choice to be honest I think when it was being played live you have a much more vivid experience of the the uh, the the electric guitar chosen by maybe David Rose maybe Gabriel I'm not sure or maybe they they just both you know nodded and said yeah this is the sound we need when they were jamming on stage before the show starts and when they were practicing and doing their rehearsals the album version however is still good um it's not the best song on the album but it's a very important song that's of course suffice to say that it is um it is almost like a love song to me lyric wise then in, in, it, it compares a bit to in your eyes in some way 
even though Secret World tells a, a slightly different story, I suppose. But it's like, to me, lyrically, it's it's like, you know that you love someone, but you're not supposed to. That's what, what this might be. Or you, you're just, like like the lyrics say and convey, it's you're hiding love. We were hiding love in maybe the wrong places at the wrong time or just it wasn't tolerated it wasn't it wasn't good even though it should be good you know it's it's like a a song about the struggle for love and you're trying to keep it alive and hidden at the same time which i think listening to the entire concept of the album is again a trademark and a statement of his own personal experiences in life and um i think it transcends when it gets performed live, when everyone just witnesses how powerful the song is. And uh, I don't want to go too deep into the lyrics. I think you can do your own research on that and just really experience the song for itself. I think Secret World is is the, the final nail in the coffin to make this song, uh, the album, as a whole, as a product, as an art piece, uh, really great. You know, just it, it. The song ends even gently on the album, where it just fades out. You know, and your voyage in this album and the the emotional roller coaster that you've been through just ends gently for you to go to bed, to just say goodbye, or to take a break and revisit the album once again. It is sort of the same thing, I think, technically for. Um, for any live performance when this song was played one as as an encore at the end or accompanying in your eyes sometimes when secret world was play, played then in your eyes started that happened quite often and uh rightfully so i think this is really a good combination for for gabriel's performance as well as from an artistic point of view when you present your world uh, especially during, you know, when the Up album came out. Um, it tied in very well to Secret World, I think, to the song, when the overall, uh, most parts of the album were uh, presented live, then he cuts to his more traditional songs, like In Your Eyes and Secret World, and closes that experience for everyone involved, for, especially for the audience. And I think that's a nice way of doing it. It's, it's really a, a touchy moment. It doesn't always have to be Biko. In, in the end, even though it is a fantastic song. Sometimes it's enough when you play like Come Talk to Me or Secret World or In Your Eyes, then the experience is complete. And I do enjoy that. And I do uh, like revisiting those those concerts in my memory or just listening to the records that I have and, and uh, some downloads. I have to say, though, most of the stuff that I own, 99%, is I bought and acquired it fair and square. I do have sometimes tracks that I need to look look out for on YouTube or, uh, you know, very rare live performances. Otherwise, it's very difficult to obtain them. So I, I don't hunt for these things anymore. I just find them sometimes on YouTube, which is much more convenient and on other platforms. And that's fine for me. Everything else I still have in my, my, my proud collection. And I'm going to keep them, I suppose. I don't think I have a reason to sell them. For what? And that rounds it up. I'd like to end this podcast because it's been running long enough. I'm one one and a half hours in. And uh, if you're still listening to me, 
and you don't know why you're listening to me, <laughs> maybe maybe you should grab a drink or something and uh, switch this podcast off because I'm going I'm going far away. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to listen to the album today though. Um, I wanted to go outside, like I said, I wanted to to catch a breath maybe and just go for a walk or take my bicycle once again. But the weather is not on my side. Tomorrow is a much better day. I'm going to do that probably. I have still a ton of work to follow up on to focus on. More of my studies are waiting. Um, I'd like to paint again, but I, I just don't have the energy for it. I'm sorry. I'd like to. I don't know where to get the inspiration from. It feels like torture sometimes standing in front of the the uh, the the, the uh, in front of the painting the, the canvas right the canvas and trying to force yourself to be creative it doesn't work and it, it has to come from the heart if it doesn't come from the heart then you got to take a break and um, yeah that's 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 all about that I suppose I'm gonna make myself a cup of coffee now and. Uh, focus on something different the only thing i could add to um to this overall podcast in regards to gabriel like i said before or in the beginning this is an album that maybe not everyone can enjoy or can identify with because it is very personal and if you are someone like me who likes to think too much about these experiences and the emotions that we had then maybe this album can help to analyze these things, what went wrong and why, and why I got hurt, why did this love didn't work, why why was I disappointed, or did I maybe hurt someone else, you know, and this kind of stuff. And, and I think this album is, it just like a plaster of some sort. You got hurt, you got bruised, and you try to fix and patch it up. That's where this album comes, for me personally at least, into play. And it works really well, because in Gabriel's own words, they are emotional toolkits and it's good that way and it's really good that we have stuff like that to rely on and if you ever feel like exploring more of gabriel's music i really recommend this album it is my absolute personal favorite of all freaking time and i really enjoy every second of it even though songs like you know kiss that frog they pop out to be very strange and different on the album but it's a still fun song nonetheless i am going away now that's all i got for today guys i'll be back sometime i'm gonna take maybe a shorter break or a longer break on the gabriel discography and i'll be i'll be back with more information i'd like to get back to the to the up album as well um, as you might suggest, uh, those three two-letter title albums, So Us and Up, are my favorite overall. But the Us album just stands out by far. Anyway, um, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you can enjoy life to some degree at least. I know it's it's a very dark situation out there. We still don't know what to make of the Ukraine topic right now. Uh, it's all very disappointing. It's all very frustrating. I know, I know, I know. Um, but I have been uh, donating to uh, a company in Poland who are taking in the refugees. Um, maybe you should do too. Um, if you don't want to, specifically over this kind of stuff or platform, you can find 
other places in on the internet just go online on google you'll find good organizations to uh to donate if you want to i personally don't make advertisement for this kind of stuff and i don't give links because i think it's everyone's personal decision what to do what to make uh influencing others to do that is maybe not always the best idea but considering the circumstances we are in right now and the people who are suffering from the attacks um helping out and giving away a few bucks might not be a bad idea that being said i am going to my coffee i wish you all a great weekend i hope you have great weather to enjoy get out into the open grab your bicycle or do sports of any kind or just go for, go out for a walk and see some friends it's fine um take care of each other and see you soon bye bye